0: good morning That's very loud <laughs> thanks for being here today and thank you for everybody who is tuning in live via Facebook um, we are going to start off with worshiping the Lord through song and so our first song is at the cross if you feel like standing you can if you feel like sitting you can the words will be on the screen so uh, join us and sing along <laughs> that could go wrong, I think did. And last night I was about to have a mental breakdown and just going over the songs for making sure the slides are right and everything just reminded me how amazing God is, how awesome of a Lord we serve. Um, And there was a verse I read yesterday and it's Romans 8.35 and just the way if you have an iPhone or a smartphone, you can download Uversion, and they put it into neat little pictures and it's really easy and I like that. Um, but the way they stated it, it said, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or are destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Now we had a hard week, but we definitely weren't threatened with death. At least I don't think so. <laughs> um, And so this last song is Reckless Love um, by Bethel Music, and just sing along with us. The lyrics are amazing, and I just hope that you know no matter what you're going through, God is there for you. He loves you so much, and he will do anything he can to get to you, and nothing separates you from his love.
1: band a hand. They did a great job this morning. me move some stuff away around so I don't trip over myself here. Uh, so this morning I want to put before you the age-old question. Is the jar half full or half empty? So imagine there was liquid in this jar. I thought about putting liquid in this jar, but I am so flinchy I'm like, I would spill it on this speaker up here and destroy it. So I didn't put water in it. So use your imaginations. Right now it's completely empty, right? Uh, But imagine it's half full or half empty. Which do you say? I mean, when you see something, you immediately think that's half empty or that's half full. The way you answer that question, as silly as it may be, tells me something about your personality. And it may surprise you, but it also tells me something about your view of God. See, I believe that everyone in this world is really asking the same question, and that's this. Am I living in a good story or a bad story? Is this a good story with some bad parts, or is this a bad story with just a few good parts? And um, I think the way we answer that question really says something about what we think about God, because if it's a good story, it means God's a good storyteller. If it's a bad story, we assume then that God's a bad storyteller. And I think some of us come to church and we say things like God is good, but sometimes the way that we live our lives, uh, the, sometimes the way we respond to things believes that we actually believe that we're in a bad story and that God's a bad storyteller. My undergraduate degree is in English, and the joke in English we always had was you could tell whether or not a story or a play was a comedy or a um, tragedy by the way that it ended. Not by the narrative itself, but by the ending. If it ended with a funeral, it was a tragedy. If it ended with a wedding, it was a comedy. And I think a lot of times we're looking at our lives and we're like, is this a comedy or is this a tragedy? Uh, One of my favorite movies is uh, called Stranger Than Fiction. And Will Ferrell plays a character in there and he discovers that he's actually a character in a story that a famous author is writing. And he's in the real world, but he's a character that's written into existence. And so he goes to this old English professor and the professor says, "You know, we need to find out if you're in a tragedy or a comedy. And so he starts keeping a little tally. When something bad, excuse me, when something bad happens, he writes down a little tally for tragedy. When something good happens, he writes down a little uh, tally for comedy. And we may not keep little notebooks, but all of us keep a mental record of whether or not we think we're in a good story or we're in a bad story, whether we're in a tragedy or a comedy. And I think this reveals something about humanity. There's fundamentally two ways to look at the universe, to look at our lives. We can either look at it as this is in a universe of abundance or a universe of scarcity. And I think everybody really falls into one of these two categories about how they look at the universe. Now, to kind of help you picture these two different ways of looking at the universe, imagine we're walking down the sidewalk together, and if I'm suddenly over there, like, really <laughs> like trying to suck in all the air, that's how I breathe normally, but imagine that I was even more pronounced. Um, you know, you would be like, what, what are you doing, Alex? And I'm like, well, you're gonna take all the air, I gotta get as much as I can. That'd be ridiculous, right? We recognize there's plenty of air for both of us to breathe. I don't have to, you know, suck in as much air as I can, but suddenly if we were on the bottom of the ocean and there was only one scuba tank, well, suddenly we're in a scarcity environment. So that kind of helps you picture it a little bit. And if we were on the bottom of the ocean floor and there was one scuba tank between us, scarcity might drive us to selfishly seek our good at the expense of other people. And so I argue that all of us sitting in this room, everyone in the world really operates out of either abundance or out of scarcity. You either have an abundance mentality or a scarcity mentality. Now, some of this might be based on what you've heard or what you've experienced or both, but it becomes a subconscious decision that affects how you live your life and sometimes the emotions that you have as a result. And it's really subtle sometimes how it rears its head in our lives. Um, For instance, we grow jealous when our peer is successful because that means there's less success for us. That's scarcity. We grow stingy because giving means there's less for us. We grow bitter because the good that comes to others means there's less good for us. These are all effects of operating out of a scarcity mentality. We're critical of churches that grow because that means there are less people for our church. Ultimately, a scarcity mentality robs your life of any and all joy. And so, of course, Jesus talks about this, right? Jesus talks about all the most important things in our world, and in our lives. And so in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 30, Jesus says something very interesting. He says, give to everyone who asks of you. And from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do what is good, and lend. Expect nothing in return, then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he is gracious to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. What Jesus commands here doesn't make any sense if we're living in a scarcity universe. This only makes sense if we're living in an abundant universe. What he says here is madness if we operate out of a scarcity mentality. In fact, as I read this, some of you thought about some situations or maybe thought about some people and you're like, I can't do this. This is crazy. I mean, what Jesus is asking here is crazy if we live in a scarcity universe instead of an abundance one. In a scarcity universe, you would never let someone take something from you. You would never let someone take something uh, and not expect something back. But we can be abundantly generous if our lives are full of abundance. See, if we live in a universe with an all-powerful, loving, and generous God, we never give away anything that he doesn't have more of to share with us. We will freely share in our lives when we truly believe that God has more to give. Notice what Jesus says here in verse 30. He says, give to everyone who asks. From someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. God always has more than anyone could ever steal from us. God always has more than anyone could ever take from us. We don't have to hold out for our rights and demand that people give us what we deserve. When we serve a fair and generous God, we know he always has more available to us. And so we don't have to demand back the things that are taken from us. We don't have to fight for our rights because God has more to give. In verse 31 then, notice that Jesus says, just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. Verse 31 reminds us that we're all equally undeserving of abundance. We all have abundance in our life. We all get to live in an abundant universe and we're all equally undeserving. And so we should treat other people just like we've been treated. We're all recipients of undeserved good. The Bible calls undeserved good grace. And this world, this universe is teeming with grace. Our lives are surrounded by grace. God is constantly doing good that we don't deserve. But we grow critical of others when we start to think that we've earned what we have. Once we think we earn or we deserve what we have, we grow critical of other people. And the more that we recognize that everything good in our lives is a gift, the more generous we will be with it with others. In verses 32 through 34, Jesus talks about loving people and not just loving people that you like or who like you. Jesus warns here that you really haven't loved someone until you love someone who hasn't deserved it. He goes, even the sinners, and he uses this term in the idea of the worst people you can think of. He's, he's essentially saying, even the Hitlers love people who like him. You know, he says, even he loved people who liked him, but he's saying, You should love even the people that hate you, even the people you don't like or the people who don't like you. He says you haven't really loved someone until you've loved someone that in a scarcity universe you had every right to hate. Being loving or generous to those who don't deserve it and to those who hate you is taking a spiritual risk. It's really betting on the character and nature of God. Because he says uh, that he rewards those who live in this way, who... Live their life where they love those who don't deserve it. And so when we love those who have nothing to give back to us, who hate us, who despise us, what we're doing is we're really betting on the nature and character of God. And that's a safe bet. In verse 35, notice that uh, Jesus here says, Love your enemies, do what is good, and lend. Expect nothing in return, and your reward will be great. When we love like God, we love generously and abundantly, regardless of what people deserve. You know, we're never more like God than when we love people who don't deserve it. We're never more like God than when we generously give to those who don't deserve it. And see, this is what God always wants to produce inside of us. He wants to make us like himself. He wants to share with us out of his abundance so that we become like him. In verse 36 then, Jesus ends the passage we're looking at today and he says, Be merciful just as your father also is merciful. See, it's it's God's generous love that inspires us to be generous with others. It's God's abundant and generous mercy that helps us live abundantly generous lives. The more we embrace God's mercy towards us, the more we will be merciful and abundantly generous with others. See, the more we understand and embrace the gospel, the more the good news of Jesus will lead us to uh, live free and generous lives with the people around us. See, the gospel, the good news of Jesus tells us that we all have these self-destructive things. The Bible calls them sin. Uh, It either hurt our relationship with God or with other people. There's these things inside of us where we're self-destructive. And Jesus came... God himself came to earth and he didn't come down and say, wow, you guys have really messed up. I'm going to slap you across the face or I'm going to beat you down. Instead, he came and sacrificed himself to render the destructive things in us defeated so that we could have a relationship with God so that we could be like him. See, God gave us everything undeserved because he's an abundantly generous God operating in an abundantly generous universe. The universe is abundantly generous because God made it. That's who he is. He makes things generous like himself. He's writing a good story. And yes, there's some bad parts because you and I have free will. And we've done things that have hurt our relationship with God, hurt our relationship with other people, hurt the world that he's created. But it's a good story, not a bad story. And today we're celebrating communion in just a few minutes. And Jesus told his followers, do this to remember me in remembrance of me. And I always think that wording is interesting. Like, how could we forget you, Jesus? We talk about you each week, we think about you all the time, but I think what we forget is how good what he did was. He says, remember that I've been abundantly generous with you. We do this to remind ourselves that he has filled our lives with grace, undeserved good. Everything we have that's good is undeserved. When we take this in just a minute, the, the bread represents the body of Jesus that was broken and the juice represents his blood that was spilled for us. And these are a picture. These are a picture to remind us of a promise. Uh, This promise that we have. That's why we take communion to remember what he did for us and to remember this promise that we serve a good God who loves us and will go to extreme lengths to be generous with us. In verse 38, we didn't read it earlier, but it says, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use... It will be measured back to you. I was on an airplane a few weeks ago, and um, they were pouring out drinks. You know how they come down with the drink cart? And they, they were pouring Coca-Cola for the lady next to me, and they poured it, and it looked like it was full, but it was all fizz. You know, so as they start to go away, she had maybe half an inch of actual drink, You know, and so they came back and filled it back up again. But I love the imagery here in verse 38. He essentially says, I'm not going to shortchange you here. He says, it's going to be a good measure. It's going to be pressed down. I'm going to give you as much as I can get into your cup, and it's going to overflow. God wants to be generous with us. He's a generous God. That's just his nature. God's generous grace floods into our lives. We're constantly swimming in undeserved good. It's all around us. Our tendency is to fixate on the things that we aren't good. And miss the millions of things that are all around us that are undeserved good, that are grace. God is always more generous than we are. He's always more generous. And he's constantly doing good in our lives. So what do we do with this? What do we take away from this? What do we um, start working on in our life? Number one, I think all of us need to repent of having a scarcity view of the universe. All of us at some time have fallen into this trap where we think there's so little and I have to cling on to everything I've got. And the more tighter uh, that we try to cling on to things, the more they seem to slip through our fingers. The Bible talks about repenting. And repenting is more than saying, I'm sorry. Repenting is recognizing that what you were doing is wrong. It's evil. It's saying, God, this is not what you intended. And it's turning away from it and taking a step in the opposite direction. And number two, let go of what people owe you. See, in a scarcity universe, people always need to give you what you deserve. You always need to get back what you can get. People always are gonna be in debt to you because they've hurt your feelings or they've taken something from you. Let go of what people owe you because in an abundance universe, God always has more than anyone can ever take. And so that might just be a moment where you say, you know what, I'm gonna let this thing go. These people have cheated me financially I'm going to let it go. These people have hurt me. I'm going to let it go. These people have betrayed me. I'm going to let it go because God has been abundantly gracious with me, and I need to be gracious with others. And then finally, I want to encourage you to find daily examples of grace in your life. See, most of the time we go through our day, and at the end of the day, we think about everything that went wrong. So few times do we reach the end of the day and think this was such a marvelous display of grace today. Just once a day, write down something that was an undeserved good in your life. And what you'll find is every day there's something new when you look for it. It's really, we really truly are swimming abundantly in the grace of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're grateful that you're a good God and you've put us into a good universe. And yes, our sin has broken that universe and sometimes our sin leads to tragedy and pain. But we're thankful that this is a good story with a good ending. You tell us in the book of Revelation that at the end of all things, the church will come and be with you forever. And we're so grateful that uh, the picture there that you use is a wedding, which means that this world, in a way, is a happy story. It's a comedy and not a tragedy. We're so grateful that we can be a part of your story, and we're thankful that it's uh, you put grace into our lives every day. Lord, forgive me for so often thinking out of scarcity instead of out of abundance. Lord, help us to be the people who recognize how good you are and how gracious you are with us and may we be gracious with others amen so we're going to take part in communion and uh really simple as you feel led darby's going to play some we're going to sing a little and anytime doing that feel free to come up break off a piece of bread and then you can just dip it in the juice and just remember how good god is to you Uh, Here we practice open communions You don't have to be a church member You don't have to be a part of Horizon To take part in communion But we do ask that you're a follower of Jesus If Jesus is the Lord and master of your life Take part If not, I'd ask you just to refrain And uh, the Bible actually says Hey, this is something for the church uh, to do To remember Jesus and how good he is Uh, But if you're not yet You're still figuring out what it means to follow Jesus We ask that you just uh, pray where you are Or just sing along with us close out with some announcements today so first of all if you're a visitor today thank you so much for being here Um, you really stand out today if you're a visitor and so we would love for you to fill out a connection card and you can fill that out and drop it into our orange bucket out here when you leave and then also if you would like to give uh, to Horizon Community Church you can do that right here in the same bucket And you can also put that offering right inside uh, that card, or you can give online at our website, horizonphilly.com backslash give. And uh, I wanna talk just a minute about a new meeting space. So I know you guys have been very patient uh, while we've been meeting once a month. And so this week I should have a final word on when we can start in a new space. So I'm having a meeting tomorrow at 7.30. So keep me in prayers. Uh looks like everything's squared away. I'm just doing some final kind of conversation about what time we can start. And so once I get that final word, I will pass that on to you guys uh, this week as well. Um, as soon as I hear that, I'll put it up on our social media pages and reach out to you also. So stay tuned for big news this week. Um, last week, we made some homeless backpacks. And that was a fun experience. But what we're asking for is you not just to make a backpack but you to give a backpack out to someone that's homeless. So our tendency, right, is to see homeless people and be like, oh, look the other way, Um, you know, or be like, I don't have any money that I wanna share. But these actually help us by having these where we're looking for people in need to share with rather than trying to avoid them. And so we actually have eyes for the people that are missed, uh, like Jesus does. And so if you have one of these, awesome. If you don't, we still have a few extras over here at the connection table if you'd like to take one. Uh, These are for the homeless, so if you see someone who is homeless, share that with them. And we want to hear your story. We don't want these just to ride around in your car for a year and you forget what they are. We want you to give them out and we want to hear your story about how you interacted with someone, how you were able to be a blessing to somebody. Um, I just want to remind you about small groups as well this week. We have three small groups. Our small group that usually meets on Sunday night is not meeting tonight because it's the Super Bowl. Um, But we have a Tuesday night small group, a Thursday night small group, and then next Sunday, our Sunday night small group will continue. And our next service is gonna be online, and that's gonna be on February the 11th. And I will make an announcement in that one, in that online service as well about when we can start in our new space, um, when we'll start weekly live services. So stay tuned to that. Normally after the service we have a lunch but because it's a Super Bowl tonight, and I know people uh, want to get things ready, they want to get settled, we're not going to have our normal lunch. But I think the best way to end is with a prayer for the Eagles to win, right? That's a little selfish, but God said to pray about everything, and I think that's a perfectly legitimate thing to pray about. Um, Jesus told us to pray in his will. I don't know if this is his will, but we're going to pray for it all the same. Lord Jesus, we are grateful that we can live in the Philadelphia area, and we're so grateful for the excitement in the community and just the way that people have come together as a community uh, over something as silly as football. And God, we're, we're grateful for how far you've taken us. We're grateful for the testimony of many of the players on the Philadelphia Eagles who love you and talk about you and share about you openly. God, I think it would be a great and exciting blessing for this city A great win for this city if the Eagles could win the Super Bowl. God, I know there's people praying on the other side for the Patriots. Um, I imagine that some of those might love you, Patriot fans. But, Lord, we know that there's more Eagles fans that love you. And so we ask that you let us win. Now, all teasing aside, Lord, we're grateful that you hear all our prayers and that you love us. And, Lord, we pray that you would do what is best for this city and that you will exalt your name here. um, And I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you guys so much. You are dismissed.